Becky Gannon, and I'm mad about miniatures. Today, I'll be talking to Bronte about how she uses environmental storytelling to convey the personality of the people who live in her miniature rooms and their secrets. Also, photography tips and Bronte's miniature work with TV shows. Bronte is on Instagram at From Be With Love. Let's go talk to Bronte. Hello, Bronte. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. When I found your account, I was immediately intrigued because not only are the miniatures beautiful, but I love the fact that you're doing, you call it environmental storytelling. Yes. Yes. So tell me, what is environmental storytelling to you? Environmental storytelling is essentially just telling a story with your environment. And you just have to be very intentional with what you put in the rooms. So everything you can look at and be like, okay, how can this lead into the story and how can it help tell the story that I'm trying to tell? Well, and just to back up for those of who don't yet follow your account, and everyone should, you are building a house, room box by room box, and writing a book, and there's a mystery there. Can you tell us a little bit about that mystery? It is essentially a story that is told across two different timelines. The women in the family have the ability to communicate with ghosts in some way, and The story essentially is about Willa, who is the main character, who returns to her ancestral house that the other main character, Jessamine, once lived in. And Willa sort of rediscovers what happened when Jessamine mysteriously disappeared through the little parts of the house. So she looks at old notes and things to discover what her family history is, basically. That's so cool. It's a bit of a long-winded way of saying it. You're saying there's two timelines, both women see ghosts, and there's a mystery to be solved there. And I do love all the little clues. So right now you have six rooms done, is that right? Off the top of my head, I believe it's six or seven, yes. One of the things that I think is really unique about your rooms is they're haunted, but they're not brown, they're not, I mean, they're pink, they're pink and green. And I love that. And actually the pink and green are the manifestations of nature or the supernatural in the room, right? Nature takes over wherever there's something to look at or wherever they're trying to tell something. Yeah, well researched. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So I have that Jessamine is sort of hiding in the house and she can't really show herself. So she sort of communicates through nature and flowers because I'm using a lot of Victorian florography because all the flowers have meanings in the Victorian era. So I'm using a lot of that to help communicate what I'm trying to say the vibe of what the room is, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. I've often thought about doing a room box or house where there's kind of nature in it, like there's a grass floor and there's a tree coming through. But I've always been like, well what's the intent of that? You know, what does that mean? I guess I've never gotten further because it's not, the vision to me isn't clear. Mm -hmm. What I love about this is your vision is clear. When there's moss on the piano or half the walls carpet and roses, it's part of the story and it's intentional. Yeah, I I think it's a bit more impactful when it all has meaning to them because when I was doing the music room, a lot of the people were like, oh, it doesn't really make sense that there's flowers on the wall. And I was like, well, actually... This is the meaning behind why I've done that. And then all of a sudden it creates the magic of the room. Well, it makes sense in your story. 
Yeah, definitely. From an outsider's perspective, it might be like, oh, that's a bit strange. I wonder why she's done that. But once people start researching into the law <laughs> surrounding the house, it actually becomes a lot more impactful, I think. I love that. The law of Bronte. <laughs> yeah. I always end every podcast saying there are no rules in your dollhouse except the ones you make for yourself. And you have made yourself a whole law book, a whole rule book of your universe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love that. So tell me a little bit about how you made that beautiful tree in the study. Literally just aluminum foils and I just scrunched it up and it just so happened that the texture of it looked a lot like bark so the whole thing is literally just tin foil and a bit of floral wire that I molded other bits of tin foil around to sort of stick in to make the branches and the bottom of the tree and stuff and then I literally just painted it it looks so real I wondered how you got the branches in there that was so clever to use the floral wire to stick it in yeah, I need, it definitely needed a bit of structure to the branches, otherwise they just sort of like flop down right. a little bit and didn't hold shape. But the floral wire really helped with that structure and really helped with getting the right shape. But I'm really surprised with how well that turned out, really. I wasn't expecting it to go well, but I was just like, you know what, let's just try it. And, and it worked. And I'm really happy with the tree. I think it's one of my favorite things that I've done in that dollhouse. It's really, really cool. Thank you. So take us back a little bit and tell us how you got into miniatures. I kind of just stumbled into it. Before I started doing this, I was never really like into miniatures. I've never been someone who has really liked miniatures my whole life or anything like that. I've always considered myself a storyteller. And that's how I sort of started the internet, I guess. I started a Instagram account where I just talked about books in the hope that I would create an audience that also liked books so that one day I'd be able to uh, write a book and then I have like an audience that would love the book, essentially. Right. So you were part of, they, they call it Bookstagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very long time ago. <laughs> yeah. That's how I start first started off. But for those in my audience that don't know... There's just this whole subculture like miniaturists of people that talk about books and review books. And it's very visual, too. You set up scenes with with or without the book cover that remind you of the book. It's, it's a whole community. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. It was so much fun getting creative with like book photography and stuff like that. And then um, I studied creative writing and publishing at university. And at the same time, I was still doing like book photography, but I was leaning more into doing self-portraits. And I found just talking about books to be a bit too limiting once my audience got a bit larger. So I sort of branched out a bit and just got into self-portrait photography. I was doing that for absolutely years, um, probably about two or three years and then on TikTok actually one day I stumbled across miniatures and hmm, maybe I could do something like that then I thought oh it'd be really cool if I could edit myself into these miniatures so I've essentially created a miniature set for myself and then my second thought was oh and it would be even cooler if I could write a book about all this about the story of the house so I could combine everything that I love into this one art form. I've been doing it ever since and I've absolutely loved, loved, loved doing it. 
I just love that you came to miniatures from sort of a different place. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have a childhood dollhouse? Not that I remember, no. But my, it's funny because my dad is a, um, he does model railways. So ah. technically he also does miniatures, but his are in like a tiny, tiny scale, like 197th or something like that. But even even then in my head, I never clicked that I was like, oh, I could do something like that. It was only until I found like people doing actual rooms that it's all clicked in my head. That I thought, oh, maybe I could do something like that. But still, it was it was in there. The seed was planted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I I love that. That's so interesting. And when you say you do self portraits, or you did self portraits, I just want to explain that they are not the usual self portraits. I mean, they'll have you'll have windows for eyes or clouds in your hair. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. you would create like a cloud headdress, and then you do all this uh, very involved photoshopping. So yes, they're very creative ones, and it's been fun now that I've been doing miniatures where I can sort of base my self portraits off the miniatures as well so like I've did the where my like you mentioned that my eyes were windows and I've done one where I've had little houses in my hair and a little chimney in my hair as well and it's just been really fun it's sort of made them even more creative I think. So you take pictures of yourself and then you essentially just photoshop them into the house? Yeah pretty much I always take a photo of the actual where I want to put myself in the dollhouse first because then I can be like okay this is the angle that I need when I'm taking a photo of myself yeah I always go in with a vision of what sort of poses I want to do or how I want to look like or what I want to interact with and what what I want to wear yeah the taking the photos has always been a really simple process to me because I'm so used to doing it you show the photos at different stages and one like they're in color you're usually matching your house you shrink yourself down but then you go through a process where you sort of turn them black and white and I don't know how to say this but parts of you sort of start to disappear or you become more transparent and the final effect is that you're it's a black and white photo and you're sort of a ghost my vision with them has always been like you've gone into that house and you've taken these photos yourself on an old camera and you've captured the ghost so you must have sort of mad photoshop skills what's your photography background because <laughs> i'm looking at this going could i do this and then i'm like no i'm not sure I, could. I, I definitely feel like that my photoshop skills aren't like the best in the world but i i think because i've had so much practice doing it that it's just kind of like second nature for me now Photoshop has become so advanced in the recent years. It makes my job so much easier. Like I can remove my backgrounds with just one click now. And it's just like, oh, you've eliminated half the problem for me now. (laughs) Yeah, I've always loved photography. It wasn't really until I started doing it for Instagram and started getting more confident in front of the camera myself that I really got a love for doing the self-portraits. My style has definitely evolved a lot more over time, but I'm really loving the photos that I'm doing now they are quite heavily photoshopped that they're meant to be sort of magical and a bit whimsical and make you feel a little bit strange at the same time it's art it's yes. it's not just a photo anymore when I see your photos either of you photoshopped in there or even of the room boxes it's always so beautiful everything's so well lit if there's a shadow it's intentional And I know that's not always easy, having photographed Mm -hmm. my own (laughs) house. I know that that's not so easy. Do you have any tips for us on photography? Well, for me, I have two big 
softbox lights that I use to take photos of them. So I'll just have them pretty pretty close to the miniature and then just take the photos with the softbox lights. If I want to get creative, then I'll sometimes, if there's a window, then I'll put a light, a smaller light, probably one that's got like sort of a warm hue to it coming through the window. If it's a side window, I think that can sometimes create some really cool shadows especially if it's darker but I never usually utilize the windows because it can be quite tricky because obviously you've got to make it look like there's something outside of the windows and doing that when lighting can be a little bit tricky so I just I just edit a background in or I use one of my um, great granddad's paintings that he did and I sometimes use that over the windows to make it look like that there's something outside. Oh interesting now tell me what a softbox light is. It's like a quite a big light bulb, essentially in a fabric box that's got silver lining on it. And then you put like a white plastic cover over it and it kind of diffuses the light a bit more, makes it a bit more soft, I guess. I guess, I guess that's where the word softbox comes from, isn't it? Um, but they are just kind of like studio lights. Maybe that's a bit more of a better way of, of describing it. Big boxes with a light in it. Yes, because you get such a great light. It's clear, it's even, it goes all the way back to all the corners. Of course, some of that is that you do use room boxes. Instagram has really changed, in a way, almost how we decorate and look at our houses because some of these houses that have small, narrow rooms that are deep, which a lot of the old ones are, I'll look at them before and think, do I want to buy that? Will my phone even fit in it? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I didn't actually go for an actual doll's house because, one, I needed the rooms to be a lot bigger than what they were for photography purposes, but also because of the depth of them, I needed something that's a bit more wide than deep. And that's something I've always found with the dollhouse rooms is that, one, they're too small and also they're qu- they are quite deep. So it's like, how am I going to get everything I want to get in there as well as myself? So you have plans for another six or seven rooms, right? Yes, I have plans for a lot of rooms. So I'm just trying to think of them. There is about six still to go in this house. And then I've got my ideas for the next, I think it's three projects after the haunted house. What are you working on right now? I'm currently just about to start the nursery, which I'm very excited about. I'm doing more trees because I'm obsessed with trees, even though they take so long <laughs> to to do and get right. But I'm excited for the nursery. And then after that, I'm doing a little secret room that was in the library. Right. I think we talked about this. So unlike if you did a dollhouse, you will do a secret room. And when you photograph it, you have sort of the back of a bookcase that opens up, but it'll actually be its own little nook or room box. It won't actually... No, it's it's not actually there. So for in the library behind one of the bookcases, I have an outline in the wallpaper of a door to insinuate that there's a door there, but there isn't actually a door there just because the wood is a bit too thick. So it wouldn't really work as being yeah. like an actual door. I don't think it would really have the effect that I was after. So I'm like, I'll just pretend that there's a door there and make it look like there is one and then build the secret room. Problem solved, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a perfect little space in my um, cabinet where I keep all of the miniatures in between where I have the library. And in between another room, there's a perfect gap to put the little secret room. 
So I love some of these little clues you leave, and they're so creative. You've got demon scratches on the fireplace. I think another favorite of mine is you have little footprints of a waltz, you have keys, you have books. Is that some of the most fun to sort of think of? Oh, yeah, I absolutely, I love doing that. Putting in the little Easter eggs is definitely my favorite, one of my favorite parts of actually building the rooms now. And I didn't actually start putting them in until I started doing the living room. So that was, the living room was my third project. So I had to go back and put in little Easter eggs for the greenhouse and the music room. Really? Yeah, I, I think it's nice to see how you evolve as you do miniatures and by the third one I was putting in all the little easter eggs everyone loved them as much as I do so it just made sense to carry on and made sense for the story as well yes yes so one of the ones that I thought was interesting and obviously you planned this one was in the study you have constellations everywhere and the paintwork you do there is really beautiful there's a great video that shows how you get that effect but there's some kind of clue in the constellations is that right Yes. Oh, I, I love doing the constellations in the study. That's like, I, I say this every time, but, it's, but it is one of my favourite parts about the study is those hidden constellations. Um, so I have a few in there. I can't remember all of the names off the top of my head. I know Pisces is in there and Lyra. Um, they all hint to something about a character in the story or something that happens in the story. And they were just done with um, invisible ink. So I did all of the constellations in the, like, my made little gold stars out of the constellations and hid them amongst all the other stars. And then to make them visible, I just put little, the little invisible ink on them. And then once you put, uh, like, a black light on them, then you can, then they just magically appear. And it looks so pretty. And I love it. That's so cool. Because when I first read that, I'm looking at the stars and they're beautiful. But I didn't see any constellations. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, they're very, very well hidden. (laughs) Okay, so it's mostly secret ink. Yeah, no, they're only visible properly through, through the black light. That is really, really cool. You do some great distressing techniques and dust and scratches. Do you love doing that part with the miniatures? Yes. <laughs> the, making it look abandoned, I love doing because I'm definitely not a perfectionist by any stretch of the imagination. So I feel like I'd hi- find it a lot harder to make a room that was meant to look like a room and not one that looked abandoned because when it's abandoned, you can cover up be like, oh, yeah, you know, it was meant to be there and cover up your mistakes. Right, right. I I just did a haunted house for the first time and I'm wallpapering. I made some mistakes. I'm like, oh, I just got that way after years of wear and tear. Yeah, it was always meant to be there, what you're talking about. But yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite parts. It, it's just really fun to sort of be free and just be like, yeah, let's make that look dirty or let's mess that up a little bit. And dust and moss are like my best friends. I love the, I love dust and moss. I feel like they just make everything come together. You know, I started my haunted house maybe two years ago. And at first I didn't have really any moss on it. I put a little on. And then this year I revisited it. I just went crazy with moss. For one thing, I didn't realize how many different kinds there are available. 
Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get every color, every texture. And then, of course, you can alter it. You know, some of it I dampened down, put a little black on it or a little brown here and there. And I ended up covering so much of it in moss. <laughs> and I became obsessed. Yeah, it, it just makes it look really magical as well, I think moss which is what I really love I love to sort of make them look haunted but magical at the same time and I think moss really adds to that vibe and like you said there's so many different kinds and you can go in and change the colors of it almost to make it look a bit more darker or a bit more brown um, which I've been doing recently and I found that to be really effective as well yeah so tell me what you use for dust it's literally just called AK interactive and it's, I'm pretty sure it's just called light dust or something like that. I have no idea what it is, but <laughs> I need, probably should probably look at what it's made from. But I have absolutely no idea what it is. And you just, I just go in with like a quite a fluffy brush and just put it absolutely everywhere. And it's really, really effective. You should probably check out what's in there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably inhaled so much of it by now. But <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. I think I'm not quite sure, but it looks really, really effective. Well, that's why I asked, because I saw a video of you dusting it. And I thought, you know, I've never thought about what people use for dirt or dust, but it's just perfect. Like, it's not too heavy. It's, you know, the texture's just right for miniature. Yeah. It really does make a difference. So I love that, you know, instead of when you're dusting, you're not cleaning it, you're adding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speeding up the process. Yes, I love that. And I love so many of your scenes. I loved all the little candles you made. I forget which room that was in. Oh, that's the dining room. So I made little candles, and I'm not sure I made them in the best way, but I but I made them <laughs> early on. <laughs> I actually just melted down a candle. I, I got a wick from a little tea, tea candle. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I took that out, and then I put it in a straw, and then I poured melted wax in there. I can't see why that wouldn't work. It did work, but the wick was a little thick. Yeah. I kind of trimmed the top of it, so it looked okay. It, how did you make your candles? So I actually followed a tutorial from another miniature artist called Noelle, who I think is absolutely amazing. I just used polymer clay like that you bake in the oven for the candles and then for the wick I just used floral wire as well and just stuck it in it stayed in shape and everything so it worked really well floral wire that's much better floral wire is the answer to everything really <laughs> yeah I used it on my tree and used it for the little wicks so I've yeah it's really it's been very helpful <laughs> you know I'm gonna get a little bit of floral wire and just leave it by the house and I bet I'll find ways to use it yeah, I'm sure yeah it's not very expensive either. I got it really cheaply, so it's a good thing to just have lying around. And if you're anything like most of us uh, miniaturists, once you start, do you find yourself hoarding little things? I don't have anywhere to keep them, and it's so sad. But I am obsessed with like little mushrooms, so I am currently making loads and loads of little mushrooms, so I'm sure I'll hide them around everywhere. I'm also obsessed with making little doors that I'm hiding around my house, so that's pretty fun. So where do you put them in your house? Just kind of all over? I currently have one hiding in my living room that is next to the sofa. And we always have our living room door open. So it's hidden behind our open door in the living room. So it never actually really gets seen unless you move the door, which I kind of love. I always forget that it's there. So every time I move the door, I'm like, oh, look, there's a little door. But I'm sort of hiding them in places that you wouldn't normally see. 
it's just really fun to sort of discover them again if I've forgotten about them or if someone comes over and sees one of them and they're like oh there's a little 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 door there that's really strange (laughs) I've been thinking about like what can I hide in my house after watching all your sort of hidden clues and You know, when I first started miniatures, I started more from an interior design perspective. And then as I started getting into it more, I'm like, oh, people are telling stories. I do think that's part of what makes it more of an art. I thought it was really interesting how you kind of incorporate that. And what I liked in particular is you have a video where you have a little desk. And you tell a story about the person just from that desk. Yes, so I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit of how you did that. So it's definitely definitely changed over time, I think. Specifically for this study, it's sort of the first time that I've ever gone, okay, this room belongs to a specific person. I need to say what type of person they were, just by the objects in this room. And that's the first time that I've ever really done that I guess and so for the desk I was like okay so the person whose room this was was named Arthur and he was really into his history really into fossils and constellations and stars and so how can I tell the story of who he was as a person at different points in his life just through what's on this desk so everything that's on that desk is very intentional and one of my favorite parts about that desk is I've included song lyrics um, as if he's wrote them on the typewriter you get into what kind of frame of mind that he was in that's one of the things I really love about that desk that's really interesting because this was not your first room the others you kind of went back and put clues but this is the first room where it was really intentional yeah I think for the library project I was just like I know exactly how I want this room to look like and this and this and this it's the sort of all of my other rooms are kind of I've had a vision of how I wanted them to look like and I just did the vision of how I wanted them to look like and included all of the story Easter Easter egg type of things because they all of the rooms are kind of a reflection of the female characters in the story really whereas this room it's the first one that I've come at from the male perspective I felt like I had to be really intentional because it's the only room really where you sort of learn about who he was as a person yes it reminded me in denver where i lived for a while there's a wonderful art museum and it's it's probably the best art museum i've ever been to for kids and one of the things they have is a spanish painter's desk and they let the kids explore it and there's all kinds of interesting things in the drawer including like a little lock box and then you search for the combination oh i love that Isn't that so cool? Yeah, it's so cool. That's what brought back all those memories to me. And, you know, they had different, like, sketches in there and, you know, specimens of things he had drawn. And it just made me think, wow, there's really a lot you can do with the desk. Yeah, there's so much that you can learn about a person just from the stuff that they owned, I think. I think that's the beauty of miniatures. You're sort of saying who this person was from how they decorated the house to what kind of books on the shelf and what things they owned I think you can you can tell so much of a story just just by a room I think that's something that I've learned so much about since doing miniatures yes and what advice would you give for someone that's just beginning to tell a story in their miniatures I would say don't overthink it too much because sometimes things can come to you as you're doing it and I found a lot of 
that happened when I was doing the library, which is another room that is really popular and I also personally love as well. A lot of the stuff in the library came to me gradually as I was doing the room. And I think it's probably one of my most creative rooms I've done as well. Um, so you just kind of got to find what works for you, I think, because also with the, like my experience building the study and my experience building the library were very, very different. Like, I went into the library not having that much of a plan. Like I knew everything I wanted to go in there, but I was I didn't know all of the Easter eggs. Whereas in the study, I everything was very meticulously planned and both were very different and enjoyable experiences. But sometimes you can't, you know, limit yourself. You've got to just get into it eventually and sometimes the ideas will just come to you as you're doing it because you know I didn't have every single thing planned down to a T about the story when I first started miniatures like uh, it was only a few months back really that I decided that I wanted to do uh, Victorian fluorography in my rooms and I wanted to be really intentional with the flowers that I put in there So not all of my rooms reflect that, but I think it's all about, I think your miniatures also tell the story of you at the same time and show how you've progressed and how things have changed over time as well. Yeah, so give us an example of that Victorian language. It's like certain like roses mean one thing, violets mean another. Yes, so I have a whole book actually, which sort of details what all of the flowers mean and stuff. So foxgloves, for example, and they are all to do with secrets and riddles. Wisteria, which I've used in the bedroom, the Victorian meaning to it is I cling to thee. So ah. that is all about sort of how wisteria is very clingy to things and will just keep growing, growing and growing and nothing really can stop it. Yeah, you so you've really kind of progressed as you've gone along and refined things and changed. It does tell the story of how you've approached miniatures too. And I think if you just spend your whole time thinking, you're never actually going to get anything physically done. (laughs) I could think and think and think about stuff forever and then but you're not really going to know until you actually start doing things. I agree. That's how I process too. So tell us a little bit about this book you're writing. So I've been writing it now for quite a while. So it's very, very loosely based off a story idea I had at university. So the idea that I had was that there was this girl and she was processing through the grief of dealing with her mother's death. But the mother would leave flowers for her as a ghost. So she'd like leave these flowers on our bed and stuff. And the story was around that, but I never actually wrote it because I didn't think I'd be able to get across what I was trying to say in the limited word count that we were given. And it wasn't until I discovered miniatures that I rediscovered that part of the story in my brain and I remembered it. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool to incorporate into this house. It just spiraled from from there, really. And I've always loved ghost stories and it's my favourite type of horror. I think it's quite rare to find ghost stories that can also be really beautiful and visually beautiful at the same time. And I really wanted to do that because I really love the juxtaposition that I have in my rooms between how really, really pretty they look, but they're also really unsettling, but you don't really know why. Yes. <laughs> it's something that was really important to me was to keep them looking pretty, but also show that they're haunted at the same time 
a lot of people have said that it makes them feel really strange looking at them, which I, I really like when people tell me that because that's the feeling that I want to give off. It's sort of like comforting, but also unsettling at the same time. And I'm so happy that people manage to pick up on that because it can be really difficult to do when you're not physically there and actually looking at it. Right. Well, it kind of reminds me of a film called Annihilation. Yes, I love Annihilation. I remember watching it for the first time and I was absolutely mind blown because it was just so pretty. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, so it's a science fiction movie and it stars an all-female troupe that goes into this strange land where something is happening. In a way, it's sort of science fiction slash horror, but the, mm. the strange things are strangely beautiful and colorful. Yeah, my favourite imagery is like the humans that are like out of, what is it? It's like they kind of look like trees, but human at the same time. With I don't want to spoil too much, but there is some really gorgeous imagery in it, which is is really unsettling at the same time <laughs> really as well. Unsettling. Some yeah. of it is a lot more graphic than, than yours does, but th- that is kind of the feeling that I get. I love that. <laughs> so you've done some commercial work. Tell us a little bit about that. Recently, off the top of my head, the one that I can think of is I did a room for The Last of Us TV show. So I worked with Sky to create that. And it was sort of a pinch me moment because I absolutely loved The Last of Us video game. And when it got adapted to a TV show, I was so, so excited. And I was so happy that I was able to create a miniature room that was inspired by The Last of Us. And I absolutely loved doing that it was so so much fun but I also work with Photoshop a lot as well to showcase how for example how I edit myself into my miniatures is a video I've done with them and I've also worked with Amazon Publishing quite a lot to use my miniatures to show off their books so I made one of their books tiny um, and put it in my library and I also used a quote from another book which was I will save them from the attic and in the book that was carved into a baseboard in a in a room so I carved that into my uh, baseboard in the dining room it worked really really well it was just sometimes things come across and they just fit so so well I love incorporating stuff like that you did a room box for the last of us that tv show for those that don't know the last of us it's based on a video game and it um based in a post-apocalyptic world where these fungus zombies are running around basically and everything is abandoned so it really fits into what I do with with my miniatures and yeah it's just it's such a good tv show if you haven't watched it you definitely should I have watched it is that miniature on your page somehow I missed that uh yes it is on my page it'll be quite far back now it'll probably be when did it come out? January? February? So it will be quite far back now. Because I love that show. So I have to go back and find it. I was so excited the whole time I was doing this. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is just so cool. And did they just reach you out to you out of the blue or what happened? Well, I work with Sky a lot for their TV shows. They came to me with an idea of what they wanted so they wanted to show the journey of going to watch the first episode of the show and I was like "Uh, would you guys mind if I made a miniature for this and they're like no go ahead so so I did so I got a bit creative with the brief that they gave me and I 
showed myself in the miniature as like a stop motion and finding this recording that they sent me that told me to go to this location. And I had so much fun doing that campaign. It was sort of me just sort of being like, I want to make a miniature for this and then just letting me do it, which I'm so grateful for because that is one of my favourite rooms that I've made outside of the haunted house. So what do you do for them normally that's not miniature? It really depends on what they ask me to do, really. I've done a lot of self-portraits for them. I go to certain events to talk about TV shows that they've got coming out. For House of the Dragon, when that came out, I did a so I got like this <laughs> this really long Targaryen white hair wig, and I did a self portrait for that, which was really fun. Yeah, I get really creative with their campaigns. It's it's fun to sort of express myself creatively with their with their campaigns. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, it's, I'm so excited for the second season. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about House of Dragons is there's actually a miniature village, or not village, but they show kind of a miniature Mm -hmm. of the kingdom that's in the Mm -hmm. king's castle. Miniatures are popping up in more TV shows and movies. Yeah, definitely. And also, I find it really interesting watching behind the scenes of TV shows to see how much miniatures were used in production. Like, I recently watched a behind the scenes of a Titanic thing, and they used so much miniatures in the making of titanic oh they did of the ship of the ship and um there was one where one of the flooding i think of the hallways is miniature i believe or the sinking is a miniature like i can't remember exactly but they definitely used a miniature of the ship that makes sense because i have read that filming on water is the most difficult and expensive thing you can do. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> so it would make sense that, you know, they might be like, well, let's just create that those waves and that shot in miniature. <laughs> they use it so much. They use miniatures for the Hogwarts castle as well. Yeah, it gets used a lot. That's so interesting. So one thing you do with miniatures that I've never seen before is you show fashion outfits that match your miniatures. And I love clothes. I love fashion. And obviously I love miniatures. And I've never seen anyone do this. (laughs) It probably came because you Photoshop yourself in, right? Yeah. I also really love fashion. And I wanted a way to show off my love for fashion and my love for miniatures at the same time. But I'm always very intentional with what I wear to Photoshop myself into the miniature because I think it tells so much of a story with what you're wearing. So I'm always really thinking about what to wear the photos of myself but obviously I don't dress like that all the time in like these Victorian (laughs) extravagant gowns I don't dress like that all the time so I wanted a way to sort of show off sort of my everyday fashion and I just thought it'd be really fun to link it to the miniatures at the same time and so with your permission I'm going to copy you a little when this interview comes out I'm known for loving teal being kind of obsessed So I want to do a little thing where I show myself in different teal outfits, if that's okay, that I copy you. Oh, of course. I welcome people to copy the idea. I love it. I just love that. I just thought, what is she doing? Oh, oh, that's cool. It's really fun to be like, oh, that would look really cool. Like, oh, that looks like it belongs in the library. Or, oh, I would wear that if I was doing this in the study. It's just like making miniatures has really helped me get the vibe of like the rest of my life, (laughs) if that makes any sort of sense. Like it's really helped me hone in on how I like to dress and how I like to decorate my own normal sized house. And I just think it's been so interesting to see 
how my love of miniatures has sort of changed a lot of aspects of my real life as well. That's interesting. I feel like I'm trying to incorporate a little more color into my wardrobe. I've always put it in my house and my jewelry, but I often wear a lot of black and I don't really have hardly any black in my houses. And I I have found it's affecting how I choose things. Yeah, I think it definitely does because obviously I can't, unfortunately, I can't put a giant tree in the middle of my room because it just wouldn't be practical but that is unfortunate I know and I've just like I've been thinking about like painting little branches off my doorway and stuff to sort of incorporate parts that I love about the miniatures into my house like I've got um I found like these wisteria garlands that I've put up around the top of my walls in my office I just love it. I just love when I can incorporate stuff that I love from the miniatures into real life. I just think it, it just makes me so happy. Yes, and that's what it's about, right? Finding mm. your joy. Yes, exactly. So tell me a little bit about your cats, because mm. there's a lot to do with cats in your miniatures. So I'm guessing you have real cats. Yes, I do. I have two cats in real life uh, sat next to me right now happily sleeping away they're both rescues I just adore these cats I don't think I'd be able to get through the day without them they're both tabbies their names are Harry and Olive it's really funny there was this whole saga with Olive to do with my miniatures in my miniatures I have loads of little to scale cats and when I first started putting them in I had a like a chunky little black one that would sit on the chair in the miniature library when I was making it and every so often I'd wake up and I'd find him on the floor no yeah and I was like okay how how is that happening then because he he wouldn't move on his own because I tested it and I'd move things quite a lot and I'd jump (laughs) around and he wouldn't fall off and nothing else was touched in the library so I was like this is really strange I wonder if he's like haunted or something and then I was like it's probably actually one of the cats so I, d- I did a whole saga on it on on my videos on on TikTok saying mm, I'm not really too sure what's going on here and and everyone was like no it's not going to be one of your cats but that's ridiculous like why would they go and specifically target the cat in there they're not that smart it's probably just falling off on its own or something and I knew that he was not falling on his own I don't know how I just knew it so yeah so I set up a camera overnight pointed it towards the library and it has night vision and everything so you could see and I caught her doing it I caught her jumping up onto my table going into the miniature library knocking off this cat from the armchair and then just leaving no it was so funny it was just one of those moments where I was like I knew it was you I knew it was you and I got you and I proved everyone wrong who was saying that it couldn't be one of the cats because it was too specific, but I just knew. And it was only the cat that knocked down. It didn't knock down anything else? No, nope, nothing else was knocked down. She literally just went in, put her paw up towards the cat, knocked it on the floor, and then left. Didn't touch anything else, which is the thing that I found the most hilarious about it, is that she specifically yes. went after the cat. <laughs> I mean, how smart is that? And then you have all these cats. Some of them are chunky and realistic, but you have a a two-headed cat, maybe a three-eyed cat. Yeah, there's a two-headed cat and a three-eyed cat. And there's also a white version of the same cat as well. And I have a whole bunch of tiny cat lore that goes along with this haunted house. Right. 
I was watching your video on the cat lore and I'm like, oh, there's a lot to it here. This is all the same cat in different timelines in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of story revolving around the cats. I think it's one of the things that I really like about the Minute Haunted Towers. It just has all these cats in it. It just makes it fun. Yes. And I have a couple dogs that look like my Ziggy and I'll put them in there, you know, creating chaos, which my Ziggy does. He doesn't usually mess with my miniatures, but if I'm gone too long, he knocks all my decorative pillows off the couch. (laughs) In protest. (laughs) Yes. Yes. In protest. That's absolutely right. He's very smart. And ironically, that's what he'll, if he does go for something in the miniatures, that's what he goes for. He goes for the little pillows. He just loves them. That is so funny. Yeah. Pets are so fun. Well, Bronte, it's so fun to talk to you about miniatures. And I love how you've come to it from a different place. And you really both use it in your storytelling. And it's added and improved your storytelling, too, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Definitely made me a better writer. And putting all of this environmental storytelling into the miniatures and it's definitely helped coming up with the story as well having actually something physical there that I can describe as well and it's just made everything so much better. That's amazing that's really good to hear and you've really inspired me to look at my miniatures differently and maybe put a little more storytelling or at Mm. least dress like my miniatures. (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that. Yes that's fun. For those of you who don't follow Bronte, um, go and do. And one of the things I love about your Instagram is you've got pinned to the top. You really explain sort of in the first kind of three videos what you do and what the houses mean. And I think that's really smart. It helped me get up to speed like right away. Yeah, that was an idea I had a few months ago. And for new people coming to my profile, they're going to want to know what I do, what the story is. So I have three pinned videos that basically tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> it's really smart. I'm going to think about how I can do something like that because it really helped me. You know, usually when I come into someone's Instagram for the first time, you know, it takes a little while to get the sense of it. And I'm like, oh, there it is all laid out. How nice. Well, thank you for talking to us. I'm very inspired by all that you do. And Let's stay in touch and have some updates for my listeners on where you are in the story and when you start a new room. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Bye, Bronte. Bye. I was very inspired by how Bronte is telling a mystery story through her miniatures, and I'm going to work on my own miniature storytelling. If you liked this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review. It's what makes my podcast grow. Check in next month for the next Mad About Miniatures. In the meantime, remember, your dollhouse, your rules. Goodbye.